Hello and welcome to Through the Bible with Les Feldick, an inspirational and informative half hour of insight into the heart of Scripture. In addition to teaching the Bible, Les is a full-time rancher, having a down-to-earth practical teaching style that makes the Bible come to life. All programs are available on audio tape, videotape, and in printed form. At the end of the program, there will be an address where you can contact the ministry. And now, here's Les Feldick with today's lesson. The unbelievers are in their place in the lake of fire for their eternal doom. And then he says, I saw a new heaven and a new, what? Earth. Well, the first thing what I try to get people to do as they read their Bible or study it is ask yourselves questions as you go along. Well, now stands the reason that this should leave a question. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Well, what happened to the old one? Well, the scripture has the answer. Let's go back now from Revelation 21 and turn back to Peter's little epistle. Just come back to the left, not all that many pages. To Second Peter, chapter 3. Now, I know the theologians, they, they bandy this back and forth as to which is eternal and which is still in the kingdom. But uh, since I'm not a theologian, maybe I have a little more liberty than they do. But uh, I just put it this way. I feel as though these verses in Second Peter, chapter 3, give us the reason for Revelation, chapter 21. And here it is, beginning with verse 10. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 10. Where Peter writes, but the day of the Lord. Now, you want to remember, this term, the day of the Lord, actually begins with the onset of the tribulation and goes all the way through the seven years as well as the thousand. That's all included in that term, the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And, of course, it will. It will catch the world by surprise. In the which... Now, remember, there's a semicolon there. Now, many times in Scripture, Old Testament as well as New, just a punctuation mark will skip a thousand years, four thousand years, or whatever. And you have to be able to put it together in the light of everything else. So here with that semicolon in between, it says, The heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, what I always like about this verse is that Peter, that uneducated fisherman with no degree in science, uses the very terms that scientists still use today. And we speak of the makeup of this earth as what? Elements. All the elements that make up our earth. The, the iron and the aluminum and uh, whatever, all the various elements. And we speak in terms of science, of dissolving, and what have you. All right, now these are the exact words that Peter uses with regard to this planet. That the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up completely. And I see no room in there for leaving even the core. Then verse 11, <clears throat> seeing then that all these things, what things? Everything that makes up the planet, maybe even our solar system. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say that the whole universe is going to come under this. I, I do not believe that. 
But I think the earth and maybe our solar system, which, you know, in the light of the whole, I'm sure you all are aware of that. Even our solar system is just a little pinpoint when placed in the scope of all of outer space. You know, uh, our own pastor made uh, the analogy in his sermon yesterday morning, and, and I like that. He said, you know, if man could set off a rocket and point it out into space, and even if he could get it to go 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light, at any given point in time, is it going to stick in the ceiling? Have you ever thought of that? I guess I hadn't. No, because he said it's not going to stick in a ceiling out there someplace, because if it would, then there'd have to be something on the other side. But see, this is beyond... In fact, I laid in bed awake the other night, and I was trying to mull this over. And you know, things like this can almost bring you to a headache, can it? When you try to think of the vastness of space that something going the speed of light can just keep going and keep going and keep going and never come to the end of it. And I remember I made mention of that in our very first lesson three and some years ago in Genesis 1. That as far as space goes, who is always beyond it? God is. Now, see, that's beyond our comprehension. I say, you think about it, and you will. You'll get a headache. I mean, it's just beyond us. The infinity of God and of space. So, anyway, this little solar system, if God should see fit to destroy it, it would just be a little blip in the, in the hole. But whatever. All these things, verse 11 again, shall be dissolved. See, the fervent heat is going to melt it down to nothing. Now, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or manner of living and godliness? Now, all Peter is saying, since you're dealing with this kind of a God, who is man? Who is man to even attempt to thwart him or to reject him? Now, isn't that foolishness? And yet we know that down through human history, by far and away, the largest percentage of men have done that. They've kept God out of their life. And again, uh, I always said I'm not a preacher and I don't want to get on a stump and start preaching. But you know, this is why I'm so alarmed about our younger generation, our kids. They seemingly have no concept tonight of God or of eternity or of things spiritual. They're living for the here and now. They're living for the gratification of the flesh with no concept. And, and, it, and it's scary. It, it just scares me to death. And on the other hand, we have to understand that, of course, all this is getting ready for these end-time events when the Antichrist will come on the scene. And all of these kids, even in our so-called Christian America, who have no concept of what's coming, when they hear the overtures of this charismatic individual who's going to promise peace and prosperity with their ignorance of the Scripture and the spiritual things, they're going to fall for him hook, line, and sinker. Stands to reason. But whatever. Come back now to Revelation 21. So since this earth, and if I may go so far as to say this solar system, is totally dissolved, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just the planet. But I know that much will be according to these verses. It's going to have to be burned up because it has been plagued and defiled with sin for so long. All right? So he sees a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth was what? Passed away. See, it's gone. It's no longer there. 
Now, you see, this is why hell had to be emptied up. See, most people don't stop to think of all these things. Hell, as we know it, is where? The center of this earth. But you see, if this earth is going to get blown away, even the inhabitants of hell had to be removed because they're not going to get blown away. And so they were taken out, you remember, resurrected, as I put it here a few weeks ago, so that they could come before the great white throne, again, not in an invisible spirit situation, but how? Bodily. They're going to come before the great white throne. They're going to stand before Christ the judge bodily. And then they will be sent to their place, the great lake of fire, and we don't know where it's at. Again, could be way out in the depths of space, and you know what's going to make hell so awful is the fact that it's an eternal separation from God. Now, that's why it's called the second death, you know, because death is a separation. Remember a long, long time ago, I sometimes get almost frustrated when I think that I've got so many listeners seemingly now from our letters coming in just in the last few weeks. And I've always told my class people, if you come in when I'm teaching Revelation, it's like some kid coming into a calculus class who has never had third grade arithmetic. It's just that hard to comprehend. But you see, if, if you've been with me all the way up through Scripture, which many of you, of course, have been, then all these things fit together so beautifully, and, and it's not that hard to comprehend. But anyway, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, as Peter described it. They're going to be melted down with fervent heat. And then verse 2. Now here comes the exciting part. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. See? There's going to be another Jerusalem, and it's going to be for all eternity now. But this new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride is adorned for her husband. Now, of course, we many times like to go back to John 14, where Jesus told the twelve, or the was Judas already gone, maybe it was just eleven. But he said, uh, I go and prepare a place for you. Well, I don't know whether he had the... New Jerusalem in mind specifically, but whether he did or didn't, we still know that God has this glorious abode that we're going to enjoy for all eternity in preparation, and it's ready to come down. In fact, he's got a thousand years to work on it yet if he needs that much time, but it's going to be, again, beyond human comprehension. And uh, then verse 3. The glorious part of this beautiful city is, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now, it's in verse 3. And he that is God shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and he shall be their God. In other words, God won't be somebody clear out there that we take by faith. God is going to be in the very present. And, of course, eternity being what eternity is, and again, that's in another dimension, dimension that you and I can't comprehend, even though there's going to be billions upon billions of inhabitants in eternity, yet each one of us are going to know God as personally as we do our own parent. I'm convinced of that. And that, again, is one of the uniqueness of the eternal. Well, then, verse 4, "...and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes." Now, this is what makes heaven heaven, as we think of it. No more death, no more sorrow, no crying, 
neither shall there be any more pain, for all those former things are passed away. And I like to tie it to the earth, the planet. That's all part and parcel of what this earth has been, you might say, known for, the curse. And all that's going to be put away. And then verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new, even the heavens. Everything is going to be new so that nothing can have been tainted by sin, whether it was satanic or whether it was human. And so he makes everything new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. Now there's only one person of the Godhead who says that. And who is it? That's Christ. And so the Lord Jesus here again refers to himself as the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. That's the eternalness again. <clears throat> Verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And then, of course, in verse 8, we have a recap. I don't know why God put this in here, but he did. And I think, again, it's just a reminder of who will not be in this eternal state with us. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, law liars. They'll have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And that, again, as I said before, is the second death. Because it's that final separation from God. All right, then we come down to verse 9. I want to move through quickly. I'm hoping we'll finish Revelation in the next program or so. Now there came one of the seven angels who had had the seven bowls back there during the tribulation. And these angels said to John, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now here again, these are terms of position more than a, uh, a communal living or anything like that. Because here, this bride is this new Jerusalem, this new beautiful city. And so he showed me, verse 10, from a great high mountain, he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now this great new city has the glory of God, and her light was like under a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now I'm not going to take time to read all the descriptions. You can do that in your spare time. But you'll notice that... This is just beyond, again, our comprehension of all the gemstones, all the jewels that will make up this city. It isn't just going to be gold. It's going to be everything that we think of as wealth and beauty. All right, and it's going to have 12 gates, verse 12, <coughs> with a great wall. And at the gates, 12 angels, names written thereon, who are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east wall, three gates, on the north, three gates, and on the south, three, and on the west, three. And then the wall of the city had twelve foundations. And in these foundations were the names of the twelve apostles. That, of course, would be Peter, James, and John, and the rest. Verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. Now he's going to bring it down in the language that we can kind of understand. And he said, The city lieth four square. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, it isn't just going to be so many miles wide and so many miles long as we think of as cities in our day and time, but it's going to be long and wide and what? High. And so we actually have a cube. Now, some feel it might be a pyramid, but I, uh, I rather doubt that. I think it's going to be a cube. But it's going to be 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high. Now let's put that in the language we can comprehend. That's from New York City to Denver. From Denver to Mexico City, from Mexico City out into the South Atlantic and thence back to New York. Now that would be a 1,500 mile square. But it also goes up 1,500 miles. All right, now I was telling Imre a little bit ago. Why are we going to need a new earth? Well, you see, that city would never rest on this little planet. Why, the curvature of the earth would just fall away from it, and most of the city would be sitting out there like bird's wings. But I think this new earth is going to be so huge that this city, and I think the new earth will be a curvature again, but it's going to be so huge that even a 1,500-mile city won't go beyond the curvature. Now, you get your calculators out. You tell me someday how large that's going to have to be. But it's going to be beyond your imagination. Now, it's going to have to be. Because, see, I think most Bible believers ascribe to the idea that infants and little tiny children under the age of accountability are going to be in glory. I think most people agree with that. Now, you think back through human history. What percentage of infants got beyond infancy? Not very many. You take even the third world tonight. My land, think of the millions of little infants that live and die less than a year old. They're all going to be glory as adults, see? And that makes me think that this new earth is going to be so huge that nobody's going to be crowded. And a lot of people have even asked that. Well, so let's... After all the Christians of all the last several thousand years are brought together, isn't heaven going to be crowded? Well, maybe heaven would be, but this new earth won't be. I'll guarantee you. This new earth is just going to be so huge and so beautiful. And remember, this 1,500-mile city, that, that's just our apartment, so to speak. And again, as you come on down through the text, you see, there's going to be food production. I think you're going to have all the aspects of the thousand-year kingdom reign, which means that I feel there's going to be animal kingdom. There's going to be birds. There's going to be fish. Maybe not fish because there's no sea. I'll take that back. But I think you're going to have an extension of this whole kingdom economy moving into this new earth and this whole concept of it. Listen, maybe you do, but I, I can't stand sitting around very long. Would that be a glorious eternity to just sit with nothing to do? I don't think so. So what will God have? He's going to have activity. You're going to be busy as you can be. And there's going to be all kinds of things to enjoy. Because, you see, he's preparing this that we might have pleasures evermore. Now, not pleasure as the world thinks of pleasure, but as God defines pleasure. Now, I don't know what that'll be, but I know one thing. Knowing God, as I do, he can't make a mistake, and it's going to be glorious. And then to think 
And then to think that man will turn his back on all this for seemingly 10 or 15 years of a so-called good time. You ever thought of that? Of a so-called good time. Now, I've always put it this way. You show me a person who so-called lives in the fast lane, and we see this constantly with our, our entertainers and so forth. They live in the fast lane. How long can their body take it? Just a few years. Then it isn't long, and they're dying of lung cancer, and they're dying of AIDS, and they're dying of one thing or another. And there they've just burned themselves out for just a few years of so-called pleasure and have turned their back on an eternity of real pleasure. Isn't it, isn't it foolish? But see, mankind can't get these concepts straight. They think in terms of, well, I want to live my own life. I want to have my good time for my three score years and ten, and I'm not going to worry about what's afterward. No, I look at the other way around. I'm not going to be that concerned about this three score and ten. I'm going to be more concerned about the billions upon billions upon billions of years that are out there ahead of us. Now, we can't again, we can't get a concept of eternity. That's without end. It's going to be forever for the lost as well as the believer. Well, anyway, now let's move on. I've only got a minute or two left. So this beautiful city, garnished, verse 19, garnished with all manner of precious stones. See? The first foundation, jasper. The next one, sapphire. The next one, chalcedony. The fourth one, emerald, sardonyx, sardius. The chrysolite, beryl. Topaz, oh, they're all beautiful gemstones. And these foundations are going to be garnished with them. And then verse 21. Boy, this would make any bride almost make her mouth water. The gates of this city are going to be made of pure what? Pearl. Imagine a gate in this city wall. Solid pearl. The Bible says it. Now, the biggest pearl in the world, you know, women have gone to great lengths to have it. But here we're going to have gates made of pearls. Every gate, a single pearl. Now, that's going to take a pretty good-sized oyster, I know. But nevertheless, it's going to be beautiful, see? And God's getting it all ready, if it isn't already ready. Then verse 22. Well, the streets, I don't want to pass that up. And the street of the city was pure gold, so pure that it's going to be transparent as glass. Now, of course, this is where the songwriters have picked up, you know, we're going to tread the streets of gold and what have you. But uh, this is our prospect. All right, time is going. Let's move on. Verse 22. Now, you see, since God is present with us and we're present with God, there's no need for a place of worship. There will be no need for a temple. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Verse 23, the city had no need of the sun. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be, because we get into chapter 22, that there's something that kind of throws a curve at me. I don't know how many people have picked this up, but I don't know if we'll get at it this program. We probably will the next one. But anyway, the, the, the word is that it has no need of it. It doesn't say it won't be there. But there will be no need of the sun or of the moon, because the glory of God will be all the light that anything will need. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And then verse 24, and the, what's the next word? I want you to underline that word. What's the word? Nations. How does that tell you? 
You see what I said? That the kingdom economy is just going to slip right on into eternity because see, we've got nations in the thousand year reign of Christ and we're going to have nations again in eternity. And I suppose maybe this is where the theologians come and say, well, this can't be eternal. This has to be the kingdom. But I, I beg to differ with them, if I may, that this is the eternal state. But since the Old Testament speaks of the kingdom as forever and ever, we're just moving on into it. And so, yes, we're going to have nations. And those that are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and their honor into it. So evidently, there's going to be nations with sub-government under the headship of God, which again comes right back to what's the promise to you and I as believers. We're going to rule and reign with Him. And I think it's going to carry right on into this eternal state. And then let's finish it chapter real quickly. And the gates of it shall not be shut, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth. Thank you for joining us again for Through the Bible with Les Feldick. If you'd like to order audio tapes, videos, or any of our printed material, you may do so by writing Les Feldick Ministries, Route 1, Box 760, Kenta, Oklahoma, 74552. That's Les Feldick Ministries, Route 1, Box 760, Kenta, Oklahoma, 74552. Or you can call us toll-free if you'd like at 1-800-369-7856. That's 1-800-369-7856. Remember, this is a faith ministry, and your participation with us is greatly appreciated. Again, our address is Les Feldick Ministries, Route 1, Box 760, Kenta, Oklahoma, 74552. And our phone is 1-800-369-7856. Thanks again for listening, and please join us next time for Through the Bible with Les Feldick.